the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. So uh, we are in the book of Malachi. All right. That's right at the end of your Old Testament. It's the last book of the Old Testament, right before the book of Matthew, if you're not familiar with your Bible. Excuse me. We are in chapter 2. So last week, we worked through chapter 1. The same general idea continues through chapter 2. So we will be reading verses 1 through 9. When you are there, please stand. It is our tradition to stand for the reading of God's Word. Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you do not listen, if you do not take heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessing. Indeed, I have cursed them already, because you have not taken it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants, and I will spread refuse on your face, and refuse on your offering. Isn't that sound wonderful? And you you shall be taken away with it. So you will know that I have sent this command to you, so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him is one of life and peace, and I gave these to him, that he might fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth. Wrong was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness. He turned many from iniquity, for the lips of the priests should guard or preserve knowledge. The people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way, you have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I have made you despised and abased before all the people, since you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction, you may be seated. So last week, when we went through chapter 1, we saw that the people were offering sick, lame, blind, even stolen animals as offerings. And the Levites were either too scared of the people or to speak the truth or too distant from God. In some way, they didn't address it. And they made these offerings, and God's saying, I don't accept such offerings from you. Okay? So as this week, we continue as he brings an indictment against both the people and the Levites. You need to understand the main subject 
of the, of the whole book of Malachi. Um, but here, just in these few verses, uh, the word Yahweh appears 13 times. Then he refers to himself, he, God, himself. By the time we're done, God is referred to in the 17 verses of chapter 2, 37 times. What's the subject? God. Too many people, especially when they get to chapter 3, they get all concerned because what it says about them and what they should be doing, but you've missed the point. The reason you should be doing any of it, because he is the Lord of hosts. We just, in this passage here, right here, we just read, it was in there three times. This, verses 1 through 9, consist of a warning, or command, a covenant, he speaks of, and an indictment, or a charge, against the Levites. So we're going to break it down that way this morning. We will begin with the warning. If you fail to give honor to my name, I will curse your blessing. Okay, that's just, I didn't read it all, but that's part of it. Okay, to whom is this command, this warning given? It begins this way, O priest, this command is for you. So when you first look at this, you think this refers not to the high priest, but those who do priestly duties only. The problem is, not the problem is, but it clarifies as we go further in this, it talks about the covenant with Levi. So it isn't just those who are serving in a priestly function, it is all those who fall under the covenant made with the tribe of Levi. In the tribe of Levi, that is the 12 sons of Jacob whose names changed to Israel, he has 12 sons, one of those sons is named Levi. Okay, that family. Within that family, later on, there's, there's a guy named Aaron who is born. And Aaron's family directly are the priest. So you could be a Levite and serve in the temple and the tabernacle and the house of God. But that doesn't necessarily mean you served a priestly duty. Unless you're directly in the line of Aaron. And as we go further, we actually see, it says, my covenant with him now he's speaking directly of Levi. But again, it's not referring to the individual Levi, because at the time, there, he wasn't the one serving that way until Moses lines everybody out and gives them their task. So it's just talking about the family group, those who have the, inherit, the heritage of or descendants of Levi. So I know it says, O priest, but that's not the high priest. But he also expands this out to the whole tribe of Levi. And so he gives some conditions related to this warning. If you do not listen, if you do not take heart, says the Lord of hosts. If you do not listen, I think that's pretty clear, right? If you do not take heart, okay, that's, that's ponder it, think about it, and put it into action. Now, in English, when we say, I love you with all my heart, we, we think that that heart is like the center place of emotions. Well, that's not true in Hebrew. Hebrew is that part, where you, that part where you bring all your knowledge, your understanding, you consider something, and you make life decisions there. For us, we think of that as the brain, but it's one of those uh, idioms that meant this place where you consider all the facts, all the information, and make your choices. So he said, if you don't at least hear, and then you don't take it out, get in there, think about it, ponder it, and act on it, he'll bring this curse. And I think it's interesting that several times in this passage, he wants you to know who's giving this warning. Says the Lord of hosts. 
Before you disregard what the prophet Malachi here is saying, you need to consider who is speaking. And it actually says a little later, the messenger of the Lord, and that's what Malachi means, my messenger. Okay, This isn't just the musings or opinions of this guy named Malachi. Okay, But God is actively speaking to the Levites through him. You need to know this is the Lord of hosts speaking. So he says, I want you, here it is, if you don't listen, if you don't take it to heart, says the Lord, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessing. Now, I don't know what you all think when you think the word curse, all right? Of course, we get that idea that, that curse is related to witchcraft and that kind of thing, okay? But it really means to bind, to pin in, to restrain, So it comes from an agricultural term when you would either tie up an animal, put them in a pen. That's the idea that you would be pinned in, cursed, held in some way. So I want you to understand obeying God has its reward and disobeying God has its consequences. But God's not saying that here. He's not saying, well, just because you do disobey, there's the common consequences of disobedience. No, no. God is going to actively be involved in binding you up, in particular, confining or binding, restricting your blessing. Well, I'm not the brightest fellow, but I ask, what blessing? Now, part of it, and I understand where people get this, they think your blessing, that is what's called the Hebrew Shema, okay? May the Lord keep you, right? You've heard that before. Okay, that, that's out of number or Deuteronomy. Uh, no, numbers, numbers, okay? And he's, some people think what he's going to do is, the blessing that you're going to give the people, that's not going to be in, it's not going to do anything for them. Well, I don't tend to do that because what it says later in the text. I believe that what he means is I'm going to curse your blessing. He's, he's going to actually bring a curse upon. He's going, to, he's going to hinder, bind their actual service. They're calling as Levites. In Deuteronomy 33, Moses prophesies over each one of those 12 families. And verses 8 through 11 is particularly over Levi. Okay, But verse 10 and 11 says this. They, the Levites, will teach your ordinances to Jacob. Jacob's just another name for Israel. And your instruction to Israel. They, the Levites, will set incense before you, God, and will set whole burnt offerings on your altar. That's God's. The Lord will bless his will bless, excuse me, Lord bless his strength, accept the work of his hands. The Lord will smash the loins of Levites' adversaries. I don't even want to put that picture in my head. And his enemies, so they not rise again. They, if there was a point, if you had, if you ever seen the Ten Commandments. Okay, if you're not familiar with the story, right? The, well, Moses is up on the mountain. The Israelites built, make this golden calf, and they go to worship it. They're going to get punished for this, and God asks some people to be the bearers of that punishment. Take up your swords and punish those. Levi is the one that does that. Out of that, many scholars believe this blessing comes. Because you would obey and do what God says, we're going to put you to work in the temple, the tabernacle, and the house of God. There you're going to teach God's ordinances. You're going to instruct Israel. 
you're going to burn incense, and we know from Revelation that represents prayer. They're going to, they're going to pray for you before God. And they're going to offer offerings, which is a type and a shadow of Christ's sacrifice itself. But he's going to give strength to that which you do, the work of your hands. This thing you're doing, God's going to give you strength to that and accept that. And then if you have any enemies, he's going to take care of them. But he says, look, if you don't listen and you don't take it to heart, I'm going to curse that blessing. What you call ministry won't be a blessing. It'll be a curse. It has two aspects to it, a present and a future aspect, because he says, indeed, I have cursed them already. And we'll see that. We actually saw that in Nehemiah 13. We'll talk about that in a minute. Because you have not taken it to heart. So if you remember, one of the things that the Levites, they, they get their sustenance from these offerings that are brought. So a portion of an animal that's as an offering or a sacrifice is given to the Levites, and that's how they... Feed their families. Now, wait a minute. If you're letting them put diseased animals as the altar, you're going to eat that? You see what I'm saying? I think there's some curse to that in itself. Okay? Now, but here's the problem. If they were teaching the truth to the people, the people wouldn't be offering these lame, sick, blind, stolen, and so on animals. They would be getting the unblemished or perfect ones. Okay? Eventually, the people stopped giving the offering. We know that, again, from Nehemiah chapter 13. So that, so that the, to the point where it says the Levites had to flee the city and go out and tend farms. They weren't eaten, but they had to flee for some reason. And so at this point, they're still there. They haven't fled yet. They're still there. Because remember, Malachi takes place by the time Nehemiah comes, brings these reforms, builds the walls, and he has to go back to Susa. We don't know how long. Malachi preaches, gives this prophetic word and these warnings in between that and when Malachi comes back. All right? So, or Malachi, Nehemiah comes back. So they're still, they're still doing offerings with these blind animals. And that's why there's a future part of it when God says, Behold, I will rebuke your descendants. Now listen, this, try not to put the picture in your head too much, but I will spread refuse on your faces. And yes, refuse means what you think it does. Okay? and refuse of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. What do you do with manure? You take it out of the city, and you throw it on the fields. Now let's go back to Malachi chapter 13. What did they do? They fled outside the city and worked the fields. So we know when Nehemiah, whenever Nehemiah returns, this is taking place literally. What you do with manure, that's what you guys are going to do. So God, why is God doing this? He talks about his purpose now in verse 4. So, you will know I have sent this command or this warning to you. I, the Lord of hosts. Not Malachi. I don't, I don't blame him. I want you to know as this curse comes, you're going to know it was me. Because you're going to still be doing the same religious stuff. But now it's going to be a curse, not a blessing that my covenant with Levi might stand. In other words, to get you to do what I promised that you would do back when I gave this covenant. Okay, Here again, this is with Levi, not just the priest. 
And he says again, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Because he's the one that made the covenant. It was his covenant. The Levites didn't say, hey, can you make a covenant with us? God comes along and brings it. Starts with God, ends with God, if I could say it like that. And they have to fulfill their part. There's not an option. As Paul put it when it came to his ministry, he is compelled to preach. And it says that my covenant with Levi might stand, and then it describes that a little bit. My covenant with him was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him, what? Life and peace. To be honest, the life was the privilege of serving the Lord. The peace was literally, God said he'd crush their enemies, and Levites didn't have to go to war. So when they drafted everybody, they're excluded from the draft, if I could use that terminology. Okay? You're special in that way. It was a covenant of reverence or fear. Okay, here's what it is. I promise two things. You just got to make sure you revere me. That the service you do is done with reverence. And then it goes on to say, and he did fear me or revere me. He stood in awe of my name. He recognized this was a special thing that God had given Levi, this this service in the house of the Lord is a special thing, and, and you should be afraid. Afraid of what? It's the Lord of hosts that called you to that. You didn't you get a headhunter call you and say, hey, you want to switch jobs? This was God doing this. This fear and awe, he says, well, wait a minute, they, 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 they did actually fear and awe. Well, well, how? How does he know? How did that manifest? What, how did they see that? And he says this. This is how I know they feared me. True instruction, or True law was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. Now, some versions say the law of truth here, and it doesn't say instruction. So let me break it down a little bit. I think we have the idea of true, but we tend to think of true meaning not false. All right, But true in its base, especially in the Hebrew, means certain, reliable, trustworthy. Both in content, the content is trustworthy, all right. But also in the fact that these guys, they should be trustworthy. And we'll explain that more in a minute. The word instruction is a word you've probably heard before, the word Torah. Okay, We think of the Torah as like the Ten Commandments and the law, in the sense of the law of Moses. But Hebrew doesn't, because in the broadest sense, the word Torah means direction, instruction, or teaching. Like we would use the word doctrine, the word doctrine means teaching. Okay? So in the broadest here, matter of fact, it's used of priestly instruction 11 times. It's used of some wise guys, sages, instructions six times. A mother's wisdom, a mother's instruction or teaching three times. A father three times. A poet and a kind wife in Proverbs 31. So this isn't the, the law necessarily. It includes the law like that. But anyway, the true law, that is everything God has revealed. So these Levites, one of the ways you could say that you knew that they had reverence for what God had called them to do, they stood in awe of what God had called them to do, is they exposited the word of God truthfully, trustworthily, reliably to exposit, to, to, to open up and, and divide and pull out. So this isn't just broad reading. It's taken apart and looking at it deeply. We talked about that when we were in Ezra. They did not pervert it, twist it to the opinions of the people in Israel 
or the practices of the world around them. They didn't use it for personal gain. That's how we know. I know you, you realize this job I've given you is important, needs to be revered because of who gave it to you and the nature of it. So they didn't do those things. And they taught it without partiality. That's a word used right in the text. Okay, and I'll explain that a little bit. Partiality. They didn't pick and choose. They didn't take parts and teach this part and skip the parts they didn't like or the people didn't like. They didn't teach it with partiality. That's in verse 9, by the way. Okay? They walked with me in peace and righteousness. In other words, this. They practiced what they preached. They preached it. They lived it. This is how I knew, know that they walked in reverence to me with the task I've given them because they were trustworthy with the revelation. They didn't do the wrong things with it. And they lived it out. And many turned from iniquity because of the preaching of the truth, because of this living it out, because of their faithful instructions and warnings that are there. Many turned from sin, iniquity, to righteousness. That's sort of the point, isn't it? Which means this. They had to actually talk about it. Oh, let me put it away. They had to confront it when they came to the text and said, hey, this is sin. For people to turn from that sin, they have to be told that. They have to be told what the righteous way to act is. So they didn't, they didn't avoid it. They didn't say, in my church, you can't talk about sin. There is a very famous preacher that said that. Because, or for, that is what God commissioned them to do. So in the next verse 7, there's two fours and one and. Not the number four, the word for. Okay? For the lips of the priest should, or ought, to guard knowledge. For he is a messenger of the Lord. But that other and comes in there. So he's supposed to guard or preserve God's revelation, God's word, okay, its integrity, and God's original intent and meaning. I'm not guarding what God said if I turn it into something God didn't say. I'm not preserving it. I'm not guarding it. I'm letting it be twisted and perverted. Okay? That there is preserved knowledge, and this is the idea of God's revealed will. It's used in other places of Scripture. Okay, you see it in Hosea 4 and 6, and you've heard this before. The people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Yeah, speaking about God's revelation of who He is. They haven't, people haven't been taught how, what God has revealed. That's what it's talking about in Hosea. Okay? And it, and it does say this, that His lips are supposed to do this. He's supposed to say it. Okay, that's not that hard to get. Now watch, but because he does this, because he's a message of the Lord, people should, ought, to seek the instruction of his mouth. Let me put it another way. If, I'm going to throw an if in here, if you're speaking the truth that God has revealed, if it's on your lips and you're presenting that to the people, people will respond to that truth and say, Hey, give me a little advice here based on the truth that you're teaching and speaking. And then it says this, for he, that is the Levite, he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. Hmm. 
They want to make sure you understand that the Levite's in this position, not because the Levite chose it. God says, this is the job you're going to do. This is the task you're going to do. Your job's there to reveal my will, my revelation, my word to the people. Therefore, by default, you're a messenger of the Lord. That word messenger, anybody know else how that's translated? Angel, that's the word angel means messenger. Okay, so some people want to argue that Malachi's name means my angel. Okay, I might call my little girl that, but I don't know. Anyway, my granddaughter. Okay, so, so he lays out here what they had done, what they were called to do, the Levite, how they fulfilled it. Now comes the indictment against the Levites now. But you have turned aside from the way. What way? The way it was supposed to be. The way these guys were supposed to be doing it. The way they had been doing it. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. Oops. I mean, you've been teaching the wrong thing. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so... I have made you despised and abased, that is of low reputation, before all the people, since you did not keep my ways, and since you, because but, you showed partiality in your, you didn't teach the whole truth, you gave pieces of it that fit your agenda, okay? You didn't follow the example that was laid out in these fellows. Your instruction actually did the reverse Instead of moving people from iniquity, from sin to righteousness, your, your teaching actually caused them to sin. And you showed partiality. Because of that, the people are not going to hold you in high regard, and you'll be despised. Okay? So the Levites, if you will, self-deceivingly, claimed the privileges of this covenant of this blessing while neglecting the conditions of it. They acted like as if God, they owed them a blessing. Well, they were free from any obligation at all to revere him and serve him the way he had said. Practical application. Okay, in a general sense, first of all, no one can serve God without revering his name. Can't be done. I have said this before, in a general context, you can't receive from anyone you do not honor. It's from my Life Lessons Journal, okay? So one of the problems when teenagers begin to dishonor their parents, they don't listen to their parents because they don't give honor and revere them. Therefore, they cannot receive from it. You can't serve God and hear Him when you don't honor Him. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC, P.O. Box 32, Nampa, Idaho 83653. 
Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.